Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Ask LFC podcast. This is episode eight, and we are once again. Uh, I am Harrison Gilming. I'm sitting here with Mike Moses. What's up? Hello, Mike? I'm Mike Moses, the pastor of Lake Forest Church, I am, Huntersville specifically. Yes, and I am the worship arts dude here at Lake Forest Huntersville. We're sitting right now, as we always do, in our uh, in our green room we have here on our campus at a at a nice. Six-ish yeah. plus feet yeah. yep. here. Yep, I would say that. Yeah, and uh, we are looking out on an absolutely beautiful uh, spring day out on Gilead Road that uh, I'm sure I will I will enjoy later. One- Harrison, there's this new term uh, that uh, that actually is a new term for our relationship, our friendship, and our professional relationship. What's it called? Like sheltering at home buddies or something like that? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Because of the amount of work we've been necessitated to do together, we, mm-hmm. we try to keep the six feet on Sunday morning. We're pretty good about that. Yep. Um, I mean, we're really technically good about it, but we're human. Yep. And every now and then we pass a little close, but we're trying to be careful about it. And then we're doing this pot. So we've kind of designated each other as, you know, I could go in the green room and be six feet away from Harrison because we're shel- we've sheltered in place now really well for almost a month. We have. And neither of us have exhibited any symptoms. So, I, man, that's a lifelong memory we've made together. I know, right, man? It's you I got my shelter in place, bro. And and I I think <laughs> that you know you you can say you're welcome to me because I have. I have six total people living in my house right now. I got I a lot of shelter in place buddies and I am the only one out of our crew, just how we've done it, that when a grocery store run or something needs to happen, I'm I'm pretty much yeah. the only one that runs out and does that stuff. So I have those people yeah. and then I hang here and do the podcast and stuff with you and uh, much more, much less regularity. We have our, our band and some of our people that serve with us on Sunday mornings, but we have you know, just for, for insidery info for you guys, we, like we've mentioned on here before, but we've been obnoxiously overboard with our teams about making this a very, very safe place for people to serve and, and giving an out, which honestly, many people on our team have taken us up on. And we are totally cool with that Mm. to say, if you would not like to serve one of our band members has a son that has asthma. He's like, man, it's killing me. Yeah. But I'd probably just stay home. I'm like, bro, do it. That's That's a great example of how we're doing it. Hey, in today's episode, we're going to do a little bit of post Easter discussion. Let's look back, man. Easter is a big deal. So we're going to look back on it, talk a little bit about what happened at Easter, a few behind the scenes things, because we appreciate you podcast listeners. Um, So we do a little inside of LFC. I've appreciated your comments, your affirmations and your questions. Um, have surprised me actually. Uh, and then we're going to look ahead and we're going to bring in Mike Hall, our remix team leader. Man, we're thankful for the fruitfulness of our remix youth ministry under Mike Hall and Cammie Howard's leadership the last number of years. And, and we're going to ask him how the great pause is affecting teenagers. So that's what we're doing today. That sounds good. Well, then let's start right off with that. This was not the Easter any of us expected at all. Even, even, uh, even six weeks ago, no. not the Easter any of us But expected. we made the best of it in our planning, and Harrison, I'm really proud of you and our team pulling together creativity, and just uh, the music was powerful and excellent. It, at least, uh, friends, um, you don't get to experience this, but 
it's like a personal worship experience for me. I'm in the worship room in Harrison. If anybody ever records me worship dancing out there and puts it out, I will swear it's a lie and a stunt double. Jeff because Cook. nobody would ever respect me again if they saw what I'm doing in there. I got my own personal worship dance going on. It was outstanding. Yeah, Jeff Cook told me the same thing at Easter. He's like, man, because he was he was doing a he was doing a welcome with Cammy. He was standing in the back of the room. He's like, man. He's like, I was getting my party on in the back of the room. He's like, this this whole thing happening just for us in here. But uh, yeah, we we I feel like we did a good job of making the most of it. And from what we've heard from a lot of you guys who are listening to this, who you know don't have the ability to be in the room with us right now, it really comes down to more than anything your yeah you know, ability, desire, whatever, how all those things come together to take us up on it and say, I'm going to set this time apart to be uh, a holy moment. And let me encourage you. We're hearing a ton of feedback that there is power in this form of this, uh, this post modern uh, form of gathered worship. I'm hearing a lot of people who are experiencing power in the sung worship power in the solo and video moments that that creed was powerful power in the sermon so if you're not experiencing that just might shake it up and uh and and as harrison described that kind of renew your in your intentionality about how you which room you're in how you turn out describe tune out distractions how you set up some speakers ahead of time don't wait till one minute before 10 yeah because then you're probably going to actually dentally hit the wrong button and de-link and you won't be able to get back and it won't be live um, so, but let me, that being said, let me just, just jump in. Super, uh, also, Aaron Gibson and I treated Easter sermon preparation. We write our Easter sermons together, even mm-hmm. though this week we were separate worship services. And we, What tr- you guys have done for a long time. That's not we've just done that uh, for three or four getting years into now. this. Yeah, we've yep. done that at Christmas Eve and Easter. Mm-hmm. We just, this is something we do, and, and I learn from him, he learns from me. And we, tr- we gave it the same amount of hours and intentionality, and I felt the same amount of intense pressure, stress, opportunity, joy on Easter morning preaching that sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, just for you guys to hear, this is kind of cool. There were there were multiple thousands of devices uh, tuned in to a Facebook Live live stream of Lake Forest Avenues for Easter service. And then you multiply that by two and a half to three persons per household, which is the Charlotte and Huntersville average. And that's fantastic. We were worshiping with a real host of people. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, on top of that, Harrison, and actually it, it probably ended up being a bigger number than of people worshiping with us and exposed to it because I've heard so many of you say, yeah, I, 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 did, I thought to invite my sister who hadn't been to church in 30 years. She lives in Pittsburgh. Yep. And she's like, oh, I'd love to spend Sunday morning with you. And now she's in every week saying, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, um, and, and those one people of, are weird, but I like hearing about the <laughs> grace and love of Jesus. Yeah, and one of the things before I get into this next part, Mike, that I've appreciated about the way that you have led this church. There's a there's a real. Um, it varies from church to church. I'm sure Mike sees a lot of this as a church planner, but there can be like a, with anything how you quantify what you do. A lot of churches and pastors, particularly, can get really caught up on and worried about, oh, what's the number of people I'm comparing my church to that church? How many people are coming? And Mike, you've always done a really good job of of balancing that well to say, yeah, we want to obviously reach people, but that only matters because every number represents a person and every person is precious to God. So that's the only reason 
we care about that yeah. stuff. So it is important to us to look and see hey, how many people are tuning in. And speaking of that, we had an opportunity that, that fell in our laps Friday yeah, uh, to actually have a few more people precious to God dialing in who are probably very unchurched. Yeah, Tell them right. about what happened for Easter that that's I don't right. think we t- even told the church about in the e-note. No, we didn't. We uh, had an opportunity late in the week where we were reached out to by our local news station, WCNC, and they said, hey, what if uh, we worked out a partnership with you guys where we, we were rebroadcasting your service on our website, which that's all I remember hearing about at first is website. We're like, that sounds cool. Awesome. Uh, found out. Our, our communications director, Susan Arrington, probably knew this the whole time, but we I was just figuring out as we went, but I'm sitting there on Sunday and I click on Facebook and I'm like, oh, they put it on their Facebook page too. They put it on their, all their YouTube channel, yeah. all their platforms. They so we promote it on WCNC, uh, NBC local station all weekend. That's beforehand. right. And they, well, they showed it live when we were live at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, what's our... As guesstimate of how many, not, I'm sorry, yeah. they sent us the data mm-hmm. of how many devices tuned into that. Yeah, they said it was it was between 8,000 and 9,000 unique devices that at least uh, clicked in for whatever amount of time it takes for that to be considered a click in. Yeah. It's more than just scrolling past. So yeah. we had, uh, and with that, uh, there's another number called our reach, which is that is the amount of people that it did come past their feed. Uh, that was 25,000. So night. there were a, a, a mountain of people here in our community that at least hopefully had some exposure to the good news of Jesus Man. on Easter through Lake Forest. So we're That we're makes thankful. me happy. Yeah, it really makes <laughs> yeah. me happy. And uh, we had some kind comments uh, on their feeds, but um, I hope that there's some powerful fruit from that that we'll never see we'll never know about because of where people live um i would hope that maybe a few people were like hmm i don't normally do church but it was easter and i trust wcnc so i checked it out huh you know at the point of life need when i do decide to reach out to god i could go to a church like that and let me find one near me ask around so hey um my uh, we got a lot of feedback on easter some of it was private to me some of it was public on facebook blog, and all those kind of deals here's my favorite two feedbacks <laughs> i love it when you guys tell me stuff like this the zeezer family sent me a note or this was on facebook i can't remember and they were like the whole rest of easter day their sons just got great glee out of at random times running to the back of the house and opening the back door or window and yelling out he is risen. He's risen indeed. That That's just great, made man. me laugh all day long. My other favorite feedback, I mean, I had a lot of favorite feedback. I can only mention two. My other favorite feedback, I think it's okay to mention the family name, uh, the Ho family, <laughs> sent yep. me this picture that is this perfect moment captured in time. I saw that, man. It, it, and it oh reflects the, the joys so and, and the, <laughs> the uh, challenges of worship online at home. And I don't have their permission to release the picture, but... Uh, it's outstanding. So you see up on the, they've got us on a big screen, and there's Jeff and Cammy giving a nice welcome to worship at Lake Forest Church. And then in the foreground, there's their two kids are outright wrestling. I don't think it was a fight. I think it was probably wrestling, just yep. messing around. Mm-hmm. And then beside them are their two dogs in a fight. Like you see both of their fangs out at each other. It was perfect. <laughs> and then 
Welcome to Lake Forest Church. Let's all worship God now. I just love that. That perfectly represents the opportunity, because here we are as family, even with our dog mm-hmm. in worship, and the challenge of online worship. I made me laugh. I am sure that's what it looks like at, <laughs> at my house when they try to turn it on on Sundays when... When I'm here, because we got a full crew. Yeah, she um, doesn't even have your you there for help. I, I know. hope she sends them out to play. Here's a lollipop. Here's a popsicle. She's riding. Go, s- go. Yeah, normally we at least have uh, help from our parents. Our parents all live close. But, man, we're we're buckled in like all you guys right now. One, one other cool shout-out, and I have one more comment. A uh, question for you, Mike, about Easter. Okay. But I, uh, there are probably not any of them listening to this, but just so you guys get to hear their heart and how cool this is, we have – some uh, friends, a church of ours called New Song Church yeah. uh, meets not too far from us. Uh, someone sent us a clip from their service on Easter Sunday where during their church service, they took time out because one of their members of their team saw on the news that we were going to be on a live stream on WCNC. And in the middle of their Easter service, they had this crazy kingdom moment where they said, hey, let's all, Aww. as a different church, Take a moment and pray and lift up Lake Forest for the opportunity they have today. And I was watching that. I was like, man, that is so. I knew they prayed for us. I didn't know the backstory of that. Yeah. uh, They're led by pastors Jeff and Julie Watson. A new song is an example. And that is an example of the uncommon unity and and sense of brother-sisterhood we have among a lot of churches in in the North Charlotte, Lake Norman area. And they lead the way in that attitude. They're, They're, I just. Man, I love those guys. I, thank you for giving that shout out. So even if they don't hear it, if you're a, if you're a Lake Forest person, you hear it, then you know if you ever stumble across a, a friend from that church, that yeah. that is a that is a cool group of people. Yes, um, they are. So my question to you is, as it relates to Easter, uh, you mentioned this before, and I really enjoyed your sermon, and I heard uh, feedback from some people that were in our team uh, who were sitting in the room with us on the way out the door. They said, "Man, that was." That just felt so good, not only for Lake Forest people, but they knew at that time, man, we have an opportunity to speak to some people that hopefully are far away from God. So there's kind of a, there's two ways you can approach that. There's a bunch of information trying to prove to people yeah. that this was a historical event that happened. Mm-hmm. And there is inspiration, um, which is uh, not to worry t- a ton about this fact and that nuts and bolts and building a case, but it's more of this is the kind of God that loves you. And this is the way that he loves you. Mm-hmm. And, and how do you yeah. balance that when it comes to something like an Easter teaching? That's a great question. Every year er, since Aaron and I started co-writing Easter sermon, we talk through what, what uh, amount, what quotient of what we call apologetics in the Christian faith. Do we want to build in this Easter? Um, and, because we know at Easter, there's Easter and Christmas Eve, there's the highest percent uh, all year of worshipers who are uncommitted or uh, even skeptical for various reasons that we all understand. And, and so we, we, Aaron and I always think through, man, how much do we want to speak to the head this year? And people who just go, well, there was a comment on the WCNC feed. Here's just another cult telling fairy tales that should only be for children. Yep. That was a direct, wasn't that a quote on WCNC's? Yeah, that was feed. a quote. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were being straight up. I want to talk to that guy. Yeah. Like he, I don't know if he paid, spent any time, or girl. I want to, so 
because Aaron and I both came to our Christian faith at a young age. We each had a crisis of faith that was intellectual in nature. And so we very much, and if you hang around Lake Forest very long, you understand how much we value the life of the mind that God's given us. And that we should ask every question, and that a rational being who's made by a rational God should find, we will not find proof, but we should find intellectual plausibility Mm -hmm. for the main claims of our faith. And Aaron and I, frankly, are always dying to make that case. And, And so... So there will be uh, probably one year out of four. That's really the emphasis of the Easter sermon. The other years, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it'll be a smaller or lesser quotient. This year, did you notice, we really went low on that quotient. Mm. Uh, and I was tempted to change that on Friday when I knew our audience shifted a little bit. And I did not, and I'll tell you why. Uh, but did you notice the one apologetic quotient that we threw in there very intentionally? Pop quiz. Maybe you're out. Oh man, getting a donut or checking the sound level at that moment. What I was doing at that moment actually uh, was jumping on to the WCNC oh, feed, yeah. and I I dropped a comment because things were getting not heated, but some people were commenting, and I dropped a comment and was monitoring that and just said, "Hey, just so you know, I'm Harrison, and we are a church for skeptics, spiritual explorers. Super cool. You did we're that. a church for people who've given up on church but not on God. So because some people were." that particular commenter, some people were kind of not jumping on, but in their own help, trying yeah, to be helpful yeah, yeah, way. Yeah. Uh, so I was interacting with some materials yeah. at that point. Well, this was a year where we had decided on a low quotient of apologetics. And so, but the one that we did, it, it, and we're, um, you guys should know, we're making the sermons shorter during online worship. So I'm, I'm supremely <laughs> challenged to get everything in. And so I made, we made one element that was apologetic, and then I wanted to come back at the end and say, hey, uh, there's reasonable evidence for this, and we think intellectual questions matter, and we're always open to that conversation at Lake Forest. You know, I invite you, but I just ran out of time, and I didn't have time to say that. But um, my one nod was we really emphasized the writer of the Gospel of Mark was, is historically known to have been a mentee or an assistant to the Apostle Peter who is a universally acknowledged eyewitness to these things. There's not, the, there's not even the dumbest person in the world or the most skeptical atheist in the world denies Peter as a historical figure central to all of this, eyewitness and at the center of the early church for years after. And Mark's connection to Peter and eyewitness is a massive, just one small, one not small, link to the, the um, I mean, there's so many factors to the evidence of the, his, the plausi- historical plausibility of the resurrection of Jesus, uh, if I'm going to lay it all out as a case. But uh, in the, the, the uh, documentary evidence, the Mark's connection to Peter is a massive chink that is so historically verifiable and unassailable. When married with the Er, the the number and early nature, early in terms of how soon after the event happened of the documentation, multiple documents from the earliest of the, of the church that uh, like outweighs the documentary evidence that we have, contemporary documents of any event in Roman history that we accept as fact, outweighs it by a fact of about a factor of about a hundred. I'll stop there because I, I I didn't 
go on and make the whole case Sunday, and I won't now. But one reason Aaron and I actually don't dial up the factor of of apologetics on on on, on Easter and this year is um, if we do it every year, it gets repetitive and only speaks to one kind of a person. It's a minority in the audience who are swayed by that kind of argument anyway. But also over my 30 years in ministry, we've seen a shift in people. Uh, James Chung noted uh, uh, futurist and uh, ex- acknowledged expert through InterVarsity Press, InterVarsity Fellowship, of, uh, of how to speak the gospel contextually to generations today. He says that it was the baby boomers generation's primary question was, is it true? And there, that out of that generation came the, remember the Josh McDowell book, Evidence the Demands of Verdict. Yep. My generation, Gen Xers, James Chung says, are primarily asking the question, is it real? And that's why when we started Lake Forest Church, we were in the vanguard, the cutting edge of churches wearing jeans, playing grunge music, me getting all shucks and telling about my own weaknesses. I was trying to answer the question, is it real? Am I real? Is the gospel real? Millennials uh, have been asking, yeah, 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 but is it good? Is it good for creation? Is Christianity good for human beings, human flourishing? Is it good for society? And so I try to answer that question quite often now. That's apologetic now, not is it true? Is it good? And and James posits that the, the iGen coming right behind millennials more asks the question, is it beautiful? And so Harrison, when we try to create beauty moments in worship, um, we'll be trying to do that more and more to speak to the heart of the iGen generation. So yeah. that's, um, that's kind of my, my, my deal on the apologetic factor. How about if we make a hard turn now? Because that's enough about Easter. That was three days ago. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and in today's world, pew, that, that's like last year. That is last year, although I do appreciate uh, – I remember a, a time ago, we as a staff sat through and interacted with some of that material from James Chung, and that mm-hmm. that all just that rings very true to me from what I see of of my generation and even my my kids' generation because it doesn't literally the truth question. It really is secondary to if it if it doesn't feel right, mm-hmm. then it then it must not be mm-hmm. true. So the truth is kind of thrown out mm-hmm. the window. Uh, that's a whole different way so of thinking. You guys should know us pastors at Lake Forest and the artists like Harrison. We're trying to answer, we're trying to show how the gospel answers all of those questions because it does in profound ways. Um, and so the, every one of those is apologetic, not just the facts, man. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's turn to our guest. That sounds good. We're going to make our hard right-hand turn here in a way, although uh, to piggyback off of that, we are actually going to take a minute and talk about how uh, this pandemic, this stay-at-home schools being uh, effectively uh, not shut down but drastically changed. We want to see how that is impacting uh, a specific generational chunk of our church. Yes, teenagers. Mm-hmm. And to do that, we're going to dial in Mike Hall, our remix leader. Let's do it. We'll give him a buzz on the guest line here. You can oh, actually we're, hear, oh, we're calling you, him you can in hear, real time. I know, you can hear it ringing. I thought you were going to pause everything. And, I, I could go back and put some magic in. Hey, what's up? Mike Hall. Mike Hall. This is Mike What's going Harrison. on? It's Mike and Harrison and a whole bunch of Lake Forest people 
on the Ask LSC podcast. Thank you for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Okay, Mike, did you get dressed today or are you still in your pajamas here on uh, late Wednesday morning? Half and half. <laughs> I saw on I saw someone on Twitter, I think it was the comedian actor dude Seth Rogen, uh, said his his new meeting posture is laced up from the waist up. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's yeah, good. That was, that was, I like that. Uh, Mike, did you did you just uh, perform some crazy stunt or about to, or you're, you're launching things out of a truck. If I heard that correctly, uh, that is, that is actually top secret information that I cannot speak to Ooh, right okay. now. All right. That is, that is forthcoming. That will be happening oh. in the near future sometime. Well, didn't you, well then, then didn't you out of a car throw some things at the oh, end I of did. last week? I did last week. Can oh you yeah. Tell us what that okay, was about. Yeah. Well, that's called a uh, teaser what you just did. So I'm just going to leave that alone. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, we we needed some way to get out and about and go uh, actually uh, do something for and with somehow with the kids, the teenagers of Remix. So we my daughter drove and I. Uh, put on bunny ears and a bandana around my face so no one would recognize me. Had a big megaphone. I, I think I think they probably had you at the bunny ears, but go <laughs> on, go on. No, no one knew it was me, actually. Was, our cover was never blown. Uh, so we we made a, uh, a, a Google Earth document with about 20 random randomly chosen remix homes and spent three and a half hours over the course of two days driving around and quarantine bunny bombing kids <laughs> yards with a big sack of sugary treats oh, now, did they know you were coming no no one knew we were coming And you pulled and, up in front of houses like with a megaphone right and you just shouted like crazy yes. and disturb the peace. Attention, attention. <laughs> You're getting bunny bombed. And then we throw it in the driveway and speed off. Oh, the yeah. funniest thing was <clears throat> we went to one house and then the mom sent me a text, uh, a screenshot of a texting conversation that had gone on with several other moms in her part of the neighborhood where one of them uh, asked the others if anyone had heard some kind of loud quarantine, some sort of <laughs> loudspeaker, someone driving around, and they said, "What is going on? I don't, I don't understand." They thought it was some kind of government vehicle saying, "Stay in your homes," <laughs> when it really was just the quarantine bunny causing mischief. Man, you're going to end up on some neighborhood Facebook pages, and those can be some scary places to end up oh, on. So I'm just, you know. Oh, ours had a, a fun fest a week and a half ago around one of my neighbor friends who tried to do something good. So be careful, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, and with the brand of Remix, but that's awesome. And I know yeah. you're, you're, that's, you've been hosting really well-attended gatherings online. Uh, yeah. Sunday evenings and then some Bible studies and your leaders uh-huh. are reaching out to connect with kids. And I love it that this was an attempt to to just be personal and uh, not quite face to face. But, hey, we're thinking of you. That's outstanding. We have a, yeah. a big question for you today that we'd like sure. to hear you talk about. Sure. Yeah. We wanted to know 
what unique challenges are teenagers dealing with right now during all this? Oh, man. Well, I will be glad to answer that. I will also be glad to interject with ways that teenagers were uniquely set up for success in a situation like this as well, even more than adults were set up for success. I would say here's the, here's the unique challenge <clears throat> is kids are missing, missing some very, very historically important moments in the life of a teenager. Hmm. Uh, and we need to even look beyond graduations, but we've got kids missing senior prom. We've got athletes that are missing their senior season. Yep. Uh, we've especially if if college and scholarships was you know part of the picture for those kids. How is that working for them when they didn't have a senior season? Uh, and or a junior season or sophomore season, you know, where they were really prime candidates to be looked at by a college for some kind of scholarship, uh, or much less just playing in college somewhere. That has been a, a big bummer, I know, for a lot of kids. Um, another thing that is a, a unique challenge for this exact age, from 13 to uh, before you leave home, so 18 or so, is that at this stage in your life, your friends and your peers become almost equally as important in your development socially as your biological family. So you've got kids that aren't able to uh, do the things that we sometimes write off as kind of meaningless even meeting up in an empty parking lot and just screwing around or going and messing around in the woods or going on adventures or going out on the lake together. Yep. We've got kids that are missing these, these very developmental moments where they are reduced to only having virtual opportunities. Well, for the most part, you do have some kids that, that still have jobs, uh, at grocery stores or places like that. I know there are several in Remix that have jobs like that where they are interacting potentially with other peers. But for the vast majority, that has been taken away. And even in those situations, it's super different than it, than it was before anyways, of right? Of course, yeah. of course, yeah. And then the, I would say that um, if you think about a, a bird nest, and these birds, you know, they're born and they're, you know, they're eggs and then they hatch and then they're getting fed by mama. But then eventually mama has to kick them out of the nest so that they learn to fly. And this is something that's not able to happen right now where, where that is an actual part of our development is getting out of the nest and going and, and being with peers and, and learning things without mom and dad in the same room or in the other room. And that's a big deal that's, that's missing right now. Uh, one thing about an advantage, a very unique advantage that teenagers have in this situation is that, that they're able to, and I'll, I'll speak to how this is a, a challenge too. 
uh, but they are able to, for the most part, set their own personal rhythm for schoolwork. And there has been a lot of research done saying that we cannot rely on a one-size-fits-all system for education and development of people. And so you've got all these kids that are having to get up at oh dark 30 a.m. and <clears throat> after having slept, you know, six hours or something or seven hours and then go to school and then have a math test at 8.15 a.m., which is very difficult for a teenage brain, uh, much less having to take an exam right after lunch where your body is using a lot of energy to process calories. So there's research that, that says, gosh, we, we need to find a way for, for kids to personalize their schooling. This is affording them uh, that, where you could work on a class project with a friend on FaceTime at 10 p.m. and then sleep till 11. <laughs> yeah. And the funny mm -hmm. thing is that, that as adults, we push back on them and then we want them to be on a rhythm similar to an adult as far as go to bed at a normal hour, get up at a normal hour. And we say normal, but for a teenager, that actually isn't. Because biologically, a teenager is, is um, better suited to stay up later and get up later than an adult. That is the way that their body is developing at that stage. So the, the advantage, the unique advantage is that kids are able to, to, if their parents are allowing them to, kind of set their own rhythm that is better suited for, for their stage Mike, in life. Mike, yeah. um, that's really helpful, helpful information. Can you give yeah. us an example of a way for a parent to shepherd that well? They're kind of giving a teen the, the uh, part of the parenting journey you have to make is, is mm -hmm. as your child gets older in middle school and high school, you have to decide which you got to give them more freedom of choice over things that matter to mm -hmm. them without mm -hmm. giving them freedom of choice over life and death kind of things or, or things yes. that could scar them morally for life. So yes. uh, can you talk about a good example or uh, a distinction between being a, a wise parent in this regard and then an unwise parent who takes that idea and says, oh, I guess I'm not in charge anymore. Hey, Junior, good luck with that. Right, right. <laughs> well, I would say to think very critically about this whole concept of screen time, especially during this quarantine stay at home social distancing season we're in is to is to give more freedom in that regard of a kid uh working on schoolwork mm -hmm. but they have uh, their phone open and they're facetiming with two or three other friends mm -hmm. while they do their schoolwork something like that even where we would frown on that and say no you need to be totally focused on your schoolwork but the social aspect of school is the thing that kids are missing the most right now. Mike, that's really good if I could translate that in my yeah. speak. It's like parents be a little less generationally judgy about yes. how screen time happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, Mike, I appreciate you jumping on with this, man. It's been really helpful. Uh, what is, what has been, we've, uh, we've gone, we, we've had one other, a uh, couple other guests call in and one since the quarantine. So here's your, here's your quarantine question. <laughs> what is, what is the random, uh, movie or TV show you've, you and uh, in your household have used to entertain yourself when you've had many more hours of sitting around? Oh gosh. Do I have to be honest? Just go, for, just go for it. If it's Tiger King, I'm okay with that. Uh, I watched Tiger King weeks ago. I already yeah. did that. Uh, I just watched, I watched the entire thing yesterday. It was six episodes and I started at like, whatever, 6 a.m. or something because I was up before everybody else, like normal. But it was fascinating to me as a show on Netflix, a, series, a documentary on Netflix called Wild Wild Country. And it was about this uh, guru from India who moves to uh, Oregon with all of his followers Mm. and they set up shop in the middle of Oregon, well, middle of nowhere, Mm. right outside a town called Antelope, which is a town of 40 people. (laughs) It was fascinating. And here's where everything really was wild to me is at the end of one of the either the fifth or sixth episode they said well yeah now that this whole compound this huge like almost like a village they created out in the middle of nowhere with millions and millions of dollars um all these facilities and cafeterias and homes and all this it was purchased by some millionaire multimillionaire from california who gifted it to an organization called young life no and it is now Washington Family Ranch, a young life camp in Oregon. No. What? Was that in the documentary that last Yes. Time? Yeah. That's and they crazy. showed footage of like kids hanging out at young life camp. <laughs> that is a trip. Little known fact here. Mike Hall and I's initial friendship, our initial connection years ago, over a decade before he came to work here at Lake Forest, Mm-hmm. Uh, was that we had both been on Young Life staff, him much more recently than me. Um, yeah. Therefore, I appreciate the bunny ears type of stuff. Uh, <laughs> that That is the way of earning trust with teenagers. That's right. So um, yeah, that's sure. really great to hear. Yeah. So awesome. there you go. Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate you. Thanks for Thanks for all the stuff that you're doing, and thanks for jumping on with us, man. Hey, my pleasure. My pleasure. All, all right, right we'll catch you soon. Oh man. Uh, um, all right, Mike, what else we got then today? That's it. Following up on my, you had asked last time, uh, a time, a couple times ago, what yeah. are you watching at this yeah. time to get your mind off of it? I have now completed all of the original Mad Max movies Yeah, with Mel Gibson and they just stayed weird the whole time. <laughs> That yeah, that's true. With and, oddly still low production values, even through the early '80s one with Tina Turner and all that, and it was such a big deal. It's still really low, uh, low production value, but but outstanding. There's just this: they create this world, and they don't have to explain it all. You're just in it, yep. uh, and and then the story goes. So a lot of those that you go back and watch, they uh, they have not aged as well <laughs> in our. In our modern era, but they can still they can still be fun and yeah. have the nostalgia. I've been right there with you, but we've watched, you know, everything left and right and and up and down, including you know watching the crazy tiger documentary along with the rest of everyone. Hey, so. uh, in all seriousness, as we end, we love you all. 
We are grateful to be part of uh, God's community, God's family with you through our shared love uh, of Jesus Christ. And if you are in any stress or anxiety, um, uh, even as far as despair, you know, one person I've spent some time with, please reach out. Mm-hmm. I so appreciated uh, one person from who listens to the podcast took me up on that the last time I said it. I don't say it often enough. I, I'm not too busy. Yeah. I've got time. I, our, our ministers are because you are important to us. So we'll, I'll cancel other things, um, preferably a budget meeting, and yeah. would love to spend time with you. Uh, so just reach out on email off our website if, if we can serve you in any way and just hear how you're doing. Please. And, and uh, Jeff and Cammie, who are both part of that pastoral team here as well, will tell you the same thing. They, are, yeah. they have mastered the art of being able to have a meaningful conversation without being in the same place as somebody. Yeah. And they spend all day doing that with Lake Forest folks and just catching up on how uh, kids and marriages and, and loneliness for single people and XYZ all up and down. So please uh, send us a note and we'd love to connect with you. All right. See you Sunday for our new sermon series. Looking forward to it. We out. See you guys.